Hello, everyone. Welcome into episode number 30 of the Building Up Podcast. I am David. As always, thank you guys for being with us. Our topic on today's podcast is civil disobedience. Now, civil disobedience is a term or a subject that has been much discussed in the Christian circles or Christian church, especially this year in 2020. In the midst of this pandemic, uh, that we have dealt with COVID-19 this year. There have been times where um, churches have been asked to not gather as they used to gather. They were uh, normally gathering together. Uh, churches have been asked to, when they did gather, to gather in a certain way with separation of seats and wearing of masks. In some parts of the country, churches have been asked to not do particular things uh, that could spread disease, things that the Bible calls us to do, such as sing or greet one another. And so there's been a lot of questions in Christian circles about how do we know when to engage in civil disobedience. Now, the topic of today's episode, or what I want to cover, is not so much the ins and outs of the when do we engage in civil disobedience, although we're going to talk about that briefly. But I really want to look at how we should do that. In particular, what should be the manner and the method by which we conduct ourselves in those times in which we must engage in civil disobedience. So let's get right into it and let's define civil disobedience as a beginning to make sure that we're all on the same page. Romans chapter 13 tells us that every person, including every Christian, should be subject to the governing authorities of their country, their land, their community. Now, uh, this is, uh, the Romans 13 goes on to say that the reason for this is that all authority comes from God and that God has put into place these governing authorities, these civil authorities, for the good of people. So God is not an anarchist. This is not godly for people to just be able to do whatever they think is right. See the entire book of Judges for a commentary on what happens when people are just doing what is right in their own eyes. Now at the same time, God understood that the sinfulness of man uh, infiltrates every human heart, including that of our leaders. So there would be times where those civil authorities Although they're supposed to be in place for our good, they would actually uh, give laws or commands that were in opposition to God, to His laws, to His commands. And so when that happens, Christians are called to obey God and His commands, not that of their civil authorities. We see a picture of this in Acts chapter 5, there in the early church. The church is told by their governing authorities, stop preaching about Jesus, stop talking about Him, stop teaching in His name, stop doing miracles in His name. And Peter in Acts chapter 5 verse 29, Peter and the apostles answered those governing authorities say, saying, we must obey God rather than men. So what is clear is that civil disobedience is warranted when obedience to the law of a man would conflict or cause you to disobey the law and the commands of God. God must always be obeyed no matter what. It's important that we have that definition that civil disobedience is when the law of man conflicts with the law of God. Civil disobedience is not for issues of preference. 
civil disobedience is not called for in Scripture when you disagree with the law or when it is given by a governing authority or a political party that you don't particularly like or that you don't think is needed. Civil disobedience is not for things like speed limits. So if you think uh, the road in front of your home should have a 45 mile per hour speed limit, but it has a 35 miles per hour speed limit, and that is not a case in which you would engage in civil disobedience. We should go at the rate of speed the governing authorities tell us to. If you don't think you should wear a seatbelt, but the governing authorities say you should, that is not a place for civil disobedience or paying taxes or any numerous examples that we could give like that. Civil disobedience is not matters of preference. It is when the law of man would cause you to disobey the law of God. But even if, even if there comes a time in your life where you need to engage in civil disobedience, where you must obey God and not man, even then it matters how you do it. I think we're in a time in our country right now where a lot of people would really love to be able to disobey the government and just kind of thumb their noses, so to speak, at them and shake their fists and say, I'm not going to do this and be rather belligerent about it. And I don't think the Bible gives us space or room to act that way, even if we must engage in civil disobedience. I'm reminding of, reminded of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 which instructs us, keep your conduct among the Gentiles, among those who are not believers, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as an evildoer, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The day of visitation there, I think, is talking about the day of judgment. In other words, it matters, even if we must disobey the civil authorities, we should do it in a way that our conduct is as honorable as it can be so that they could see our good deeds and perhaps they would glorify God themselves. So an example of this is from Daniel 6. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, go over to Daniel 6. We're going to look at one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible, Daniel and the lion's den. But I actually think there's a lot that we can learn from Daniel about how we should approach civil disobedience. We studied this in our men's Bible study this week at Agape Church. And even though I've heard this story numerous, numerous times um, throughout my life, uh, I saw some things that I had not seen before. And I was excited to be able to share some of those on the podcast. Here's the context of what's happening in Daniel 6. Daniel was a young man who had been exiled from his home in Judah, where the land of God was. He'd been exiled into Babylon, to a different country. This happened somewhere 500 to 600 years before the birth of Christ. But Daniel, even in Babylon, because the Spirit of God was with him, the Bible says an excellent spirit was with him, of course, talking about the Holy Spirit, But because Daniel uh, had God with him, he had favor with the king of Babylon, Darius. And he had so much favor that he rose to prominence in Darius's government. He was going to be made the second in charge over the entire land. Now, as you can imagine, uh, the, the authorities in Babylon who Daniel hopped over to reach into that position, uh, those men were not that excited about what was happening in Daniel's life. And so they decided that 
they wanted to find a reason to bring a charge against Daniel so that he never would gain this position. Uh, but they were unable to find a ground for any charge against him. And by the way, this is foreshadowing Jesus. Jesus is the greater Daniel. Jesus would be brought up against charges that were false in his day in the Roman authorities because no one could find a valid thing to say about him that was bad. So they plotted against Daniel. And what they knew was that Daniel was a devout man who loved to pray. So they decided to get the king to sign a law that for 30 days in Babylon, no one could pray to anyone except Darius. No other god, no other man. Now Darius, not really realizing what they were doing, but also being someone who was kind of prideful, Darius thought this sounds like a great idea. If you broke the law, the punishment would be being thrown into a den of lions, being fed to lions. When Daniel heard this, he decided he must engage in civil disobedience. There are two things that I believe we see in this story that we could really, really learn from. Number one, it is very clear that Daniel's aim was not to just defy man and be belligerent toward the government, but his aim was simply to obey God. Look at Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. When Daniel knew that this law was passed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. I think at least growing up, there was always this picture that what Daniel did was as soon as he heard about this law, he went home, threw his windows open, shook his fists at the government, and made a big spectacle of praying. But I think this phrase, as he had done previously, shows us that Daniel was simply following the very routine of his life. Daniel was actually being obedient to God. We don't have time in the podcast to cover this, but if you want to read in 1 Kings chapter 8, you can actually see the scripture that Daniel was being obedient toward. In 1 Kings 8, when Solomon dedicated the temple in Jerusalem, he prayed a prayer. God, if ever your people disobey, and in their disobedience they're exiled to another land, God, from that land, if they would pray to you toward the land, toward this temple, would you please hear them and heal them? That's what Daniel was doing. He was praying toward the land, praying toward the temple. He was living his quiet life in obedience to God. And when he knew that law was put in place, he said, I must continue to do what God has asked because I want God to heal me and heal our land and bring us back home, so I have to obey. He wasn't being belligerent toward the government. He was just simply being obedient to God in the midst of his quiet life. Because of that, though, he is fed to the lions. But we know that in this case, God chose to deliver Daniel from those lions. And we see this picture of the king who loved Daniel very much and was very upset at what had happened. And when the king rushed the next morning to the lion's den to see if Daniel had been delivered, there was an exchange between Daniel and the king. And this brings us to the second principle that I think we can learn about civil disobedience. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 21 and 22, we see that Daniel still acknowledges the king's God-given authority even as he had disobeyed his law. So look at this, verse 21 and 22. Daniel said, King, 
O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Daniel says, because God is over you and he is your authority, uh, God was able to find me innocent before him and also before you. Daniel, even in this moment, we see him still honoring the king in his position, still acknowledging that the king has God-given authority over him and telling the king, I obeyed God and because of that I've done no harm to him and king, I have done no harm to you either. Daniel was still honorable toward that man in his authority even though he had to engage in civil disobedience. So there's three categories I think we see in Daniel's life as he engaged in civil disobedience. First of all, he was very brave and courageous. Daniel was steadfast that he was going to obey God and honor God even though he knew it was probable that it was going to cost him his life. Secondly, though, Daniel did so in a humble, quiet way. He, he wasn't blasting the government. He wasn't cursing at them. He wasn't shaking his fist at them. He was just living his humble, quiet life. 1 Thessalonians 4, by the way, tells Christians, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. And that's what Daniel was doing, being obedient to God in the midst of his daily routine. Doing so, though, very bravely, very courageously. And then finally, we see that Daniel, even in civil disobedience, he was still an honorable and respectful man. He still showed honor and respect to the governing authorities in telling them, I know that you're in the position God gave you, and I honor that, but I must obey God. And in this case, you're telling me to do something that God is against, and so therefore I must obey God. We can learn so much from Daniel. If there comes a time where we must engage in civil disobedience, we should do so as Daniel did, bravely, humbly, and honorably. If you have any questions about this podcast episode, I would love to hear from you. In just a moment, you'll hear an email address in our outro. Send me some questions or comments that you have. would love to hear from you. Until next time, thank you for joining us on the Building Up Podcast. Grace and peace to your family. Thank you for listening to the Building Up Podcast. If you have a question about today's episode or if you would like to suggest a topic for the future, please email us at buildingup@agapepinson.com. To subscribe to this podcast, simply search for Building Up from Agape Church in your favorite podcast app. Or you can watch the video format by visiting us online at agapepinson.com. Mm-hmm.